Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and the second part of this two-part series from the author Jim Collins, this week talking about the book Good to Great. Keep listening to find out why good is the enemy of great. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me for this second part of the Jim Collins series. Last week, we talked about the book Built to Last. If you haven't already been and listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do so. And maybe even before this one, although you could listen to them in any order. Be a rebel. Why not? I'm doing these episodes back to back because I think the books go together. Obviously, they do go together. They were written by the same author about the same topic. But I think them going together is important because the ideas really flow on from each other. And I wanted you as my friend and listener to get the benefit of both books at the same time. So you can have a little binge. I do very much encourage podcast binge listening, especially if you're listening to this one, to get the best of both books. Now, personally, I'm really hoping that they do. It's been 10 years or so now, so maybe maybe I should dash those hopes. But I'm really hoping they do a follow-up to this off the back of the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009, because some of the companies who were put forward as visionary or great companies proved not to be so great, far from it in some cases. And some of them actually contributed significantly to the economic collapse in that period of time. So I'd love to know, and when you read the book, when you read the the principles of Built to Last and Good to Great, I think it's relatively obvious to see that those principles cannot have been upheld given what happened. However, I'd really love to see the stories and the evidence of which bits fell down and which bits stopped being as important and why that led to those particular decisions and therefore outcomes. If you're not familiar with Jim Collins, let me tell you a little bit more about him. Jim Collins is a student and teacher of what makes great companies tick and a Socratic advisor to leaders in the business and social sectors. Having invested more than a quarter century in rigorous research, he has authored or co-authored six books that have sold in more than 10 million copies worldwide. Driven by relentless curiosity, Jim began his research and teaching career on the faculty at Stanford Graduate School of Business, where he received the Distinguished Teaching Award in 1992. In 1995, he founded a management laboratory in Boulder, Colorado, where he conducts research and engages with CEOs and senior leadership teams. In addition to his work in the business sector, Jim has a passion for learning and teaching in the social sectors, including education, healthcare, government, faith-based organizations, social ventures, and cause-driven non-profits. In 2012 and 13, he had the honour to serve a two-year appointment as the Class of 1951 Chair for the Study of Leadership at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Jim has been an avid rock climber for more than 40 years and has completed single-day ascents of El Capitan and Half Dome in Yosemite Valley. That was all taken from jimcollins.com. Link to that is in the show notes. And it's worth visiting that website because there's loads of extra resources, some of which I've put some links to in the show notes about the books and some articles you, that you can read, which have got some of the supporting principles in if you don't have time to read the book. Speaking of the book, here's a little bit more. This book, Good to Great, addresses a single question. Can a good company become a great company? And if so, how? Based on a five-year research project comparing companies that made the leap to those that did not, Good to Great shows that greatness is not primarily a function of circumstance, but largely a matter of conscious choice and discipline. The book discusses concepts like level five leadership, first who, then what, the hedgehog concept, and the flywheel. Again, taken from jimcollins.com, link in the show notes. 
Now, out of the two books, this one is definitely my favourite. I think the layout is excellent and a bit easier to read and digest than Built to Last, which is slightly more academic. Good to Great has also got really good pages on the key concepts from each of the chapters and each of the different ideas. So you can really easily think about how you would apply those and and what the most important bits are for you to apply to your own organisation or life. Now, before we get into the three big ideas, a couple of key kind of principles and concepts that come up throughout the book. All the way throughout the book, there's the concept of the flywheel. And I'll talk a little bit about that more as we go through the big ideas. And Built to Last, while that was talking about how to build sustainable companies, Good to Great talks about the, the, the transition from good to great. So it splits that into two parts, the build up and the breakthrough. The build-up has got three key principles, which is level five leadership, more on that very shortly, first who, then what, and confronting brutal facts. Once you've broken through that barrier from good to great, you've got three other concepts. Number one is the hedgehog concept, one of my favorites. Number two, the discipline culture, and number three, technology accelerators. I'll be talking about a few of those as we go through this episode. But without further ado, Here are the three big ideas I took from the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Big idea number one is good is the enemy of great. And if there was one big idea that I took away and I think about a lot when it comes to this book, it is this one. It is that good and great are not two ends of the same spectrum. They are totally different spectrums. Great operates at a very different level on a different hierarchy to good. And therefore, what stops most companies and sometimes most people from getting to great is that they're satisfied with good and stop there. They don't look or they're looking for those kind of continuous improvement or those incremental improvements from good. Whereas great requires you to operate in a very different mindset, discipline and a different way of operating altogether. It's not just a bit of a tweak here and there from good. This also goes on to break the myth about good to great being quick and as a result of one initiative or those little improvements. It's actually a culmination of many different things over time. And in the book, they talk about the average time to take companies from good to great is is over five years. So this is not something that you're going to come in, set some short term initiative or objective for and in one financial year, very conveniently change the company from good to great. That's why there's two elements. There's the build-up and the breakthrough. But fundamentally, it takes a very different mindset. So that's big idea number one, possibly one of the most important ideas. Good is the enemy of great. There's actually a quote in the book about that, and it says, good is the enemy of great. And that is the one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. Few people attain great lives in large part because it is so easy to settle for a good life. Now that's not a bad thing and it also talks in the book about not everyone can be above average or not every company can be above average that is mathematically impossible but what it does mean is that those who are prepared to go that extra mile and turn into something great need to think a bit differently big idea number two is level five leadership and this comes up a lot throughout the book because not just anyone or not just any leader can lead a company from good to great and maintain that greatness. The level five leaders fundamentally took a longer term view driven by ambition for the company, not for themselves. And that was a really important part. There was this balance 
that the, the level five leaders take, which is that balance between humility and professional will. So they're very ambitious, but they're ambitious for the company and the vision and the view and the future of the company, not for themselves. They have an incurable need to produce sustained results. They are thinking beyond their tenure as the CEO or as the leader of that organization. They're also modest and understated. And there's some interesting stories and quotes in the book where a lot of the level five leaders of the successful companies or the great companies attributed a lot to luck versus their own brilliance and cleverness. In contrast to the comparison companies, where two thirds of those CEOs had huge egos, which contributed to the demise and the mediocrity of those particular companies. So the comparison companies were the closest competitor to the the great companies that were selected to do the research against. Now, whilst those leaders or those level five leaders looked outside of themselves and to luck and to other people and to circumstance for the good things that have happened, they very much take responsibility and looked inside themselves when things go wrong. Whereas on, in contrast to that, the comparison leaders or the comparison CEOs were more often than not likely to point to external factors or other people or the environment or the economics of the situation to be to blame when things went wrong or things didn't go to plan versus looking at themselves or putting that responsibility to their own self. Level five leaders were also generally homegrown. The most successful companies had homegrown leaders. 10 out of the 11 had homegrown leaders who had gone up the ranks. The comparison companies had six time, were six times more likely to bring in an external CEO to take on that role. And largely they were these big gregarious, famous characters who generally had a lot more going for, or were a lot more in it for themselves than for the company. There are the five levels. It's not just the level five and that's it. There are the four levels that go before that. And a level four leader is very effective, but lacks that longer term view and that ability to balance humility with ambition or their professional will. Without those those mindsets and behaviors, it's almost impossible to grow a company into something that is long successful beyond you and has a longer term view and a longer vision. So that's big idea number two, the need for level five leadership. Big idea number three, a culture of discipline. Now, last week in Built to Last, I talked about the idea of a cult-like culture. This builds on that a little bit, but builds it into a little bit of a different framework. This is the thing that turns the flywheel and the flywheel, which I mentioned in earlier in this episode. Now, I found the concept of a flywheel a bit confusing at first because I didn't really know what a flywheel was, but <laughs> now I do, I can share it with you. So if you're like me and you didn't know what a flywheel was, basically just a really heavy wheel that takes a little bit of momentum to get started is the easiest way of putting it. So the discipline will turn the flywheel and it might take, it might be slow and heavy at first because it's clunky and no one's been had that kind of culture before. But once you get things moving, it generates its own steam and power and pace and it just flies. That's what a culture of discipline will do, especially one that is aligned to the hedgehog concept, which I'll talk about in a moment. Now, there's an example in the book or a general generalization in the book around startups and startups who grow and become bigger organizations, which become fueled by bureaucracy and, and paperwork and all the rest. Now, a lot of the time, the book argues that that bureaucracy is to compensate for incompetence and a lack of discipline. 
Now there's another quote in the book that I like that says, letting the wrong people hang around is unfair to all the right people as they inevitably find themselves compensating for the inadequacies of the wrong people. The book goes on to say that a company should limit its growth based on its ability to attract enough of the right people. And I think that's so true. And we've all probably seen it where companies grow and they just get arms and legs and bodies in to do work rather than thinking about what the, what the impact of those people is. So if you've got the wrong people on the bus, which is the other fundamental principle of first who, then what? If you've got the right people on the bus who are disciplined, who have the right culture, who are the right fit, they can have the freedom and the responsibility within a framework to do what they need to do without the need for lots of rules and paperwork and all of the stuff that comes with, or often comes with larger growing organizations, which then squashes the entrepreneurial spirit and what made the place special in the first place and probably what made it great and turns it into good. There's a great story in the book or an anecdote called Rinse Your Cottage Cheese. I know you didn't think you were going to hear that on this podcast. So the story is about Dave Scott, who's the six times Hawaii Ironman winner. His daily training schedule is a 75 mile bike ride, a 2000 meter swim and a 17 mile run, which is horrific if you ask me. And that's his daily training schedule. And as someone who is burning probably 5,000 calories, roughly more than most people on a, on a day, he still rinses his cottage cheese because he believes that a low fat, high carb diet is what makes him successful. So even though that cottage cheese or the, the fat that he's rinsing off the cottage cheese, which is why he's rinsing the cheese, is probably not going to be making a difference to him. It's the discipline and the practice of doing it that shows him how or shows how much he cares about the details. So there's the, they use this idea in the book around rinsing your cottage cheese or finding the people who will rinse the cottage cheese. As someone who's lactose intolerant, I won't be rinsing any cottage cheese, but I'm sure I can find uh, an equivalent example. Now, there is an important difference between enduring discipline that lasts and aligns to the hedgehog concept, don't worry, I will demystify that one shortly, and a dictatorship discipline that only lasts as long as that leader. And there was a couple of examples in the book where a leader had come in and acted as a bit of a tyrant and was you know, much more of a dictatorship. So they drove discipline, but it didn't last or it didn't outlast them. So you saw the results of that whilst they were in power. But as soon as they left or retired, that was it. That The, the results of that stopped because they weren't there. It was very situational. It was very tied to that person. So it has to be something that lasts and becomes pervasive towards achieving the goal and the vision of the organization, not just to please that person who's come in. So the hedgehog concept, the hedgehog concept, very short version of it is a hedgehog is really good at one thing, which is curling up in a ball and spiking anything that tries to eat it fundamentally. So as much as the fox in the parable that it, or the fable that is told in the book, as much as the fox tries to outwit it with its cunning, the hedgehog does what it knows best, curls up in a ball, pokes the fox in the nose with its spikes every time. So the hedgehog concept is all about finding the one thing that you are the best in the world at, or finding the one thing that you do really, really well and sticking to that. Now you might, the markets might change and you may need to adapt how you do that, but the vision and the what you do is the most important thing. And a lot of the companies who are the great or the visionary companies in the book 
are the ones that stuck to that without getting distracted by the shiny objects or the things that they could be going into. Unlike the comparison companies who spread themselves very thin and just kind of confuse the market more than anything. And they also weren't then adhering to their best skills and strengths and opportunities that they had. So that for that reason, one of the other really important principles that links to all of this, both discipline and the hedgehog concept, is knowing what to stop doing. And sometimes the book argues that knowing what to stop doing or what not to do is more important or even more important than knowing what to do or having a to-do list. So there we go, that's big idea number three, the culture of discipline, AKA rinse your cottage cheese. So there we go. Hopefully you enjoyed those big ideas as much as I did and rereading the book or skimming through the book again to put all this episode together. I It really just reminded me about all the great stuff in there. Definitely is one I'm going to have to go back and reread a few times. A couple of people I know read this book every year to remind themselves of the concepts and remind them what journey they're on and why they are going from great or going for great and remind them of sticking to the path and sticking to their hedgehog concept. What can they be the best in the world at? Which is quite an exciting prospect, isn't it? A little recap of the three big ideas. Number one, good is the enemy of great. Number two, level five leadership. And finally, number three, a culture of discipline. If you thought this episode was good or great, I'd love to hear from you. Two things you can do. Number one, I'd love for a little review on iTunes. pop five stars in preferably pop five stars in the review and if you've got a couple of thoughts on why you enjoy the podcast and how it's adding value to you drop those in too love to see those reviews second way you can get in touch is on linkedin or on instagram contact details as usual are in the show notes let me know what you thought of this little mini series about jim collins's books otherwise until next time happy reading